good morning. That was pathetic. <laughs> good morning. Okay, there we go. That's much better. Well, man, it's good to be back with you once again today and to open God's word with you. As Pastor Rod already said, we are continuing our identity series here where we're walking through our identities. And you say, well, what are our identities? These are the things that we believe that, man, if we are really following Jesus, if our church is making disciples, then we will embody these ideas in our life. So we start out by talking about, man, we'll be dependent children. That is, we'll be marked by a dependency on our Heavenly Father seeking Him in prayer. Uh, we, we talked about the idea that we will be intentional disciple makers. Man, if we have really understood the good news of the gospel, we won't be able to help but share it with others. If Jesus is our treasure, then we will proclaim him. Then last week, we talked about the idea that we are responsible siblings. The church is not like a family. It, And so we are not like brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters, and we should treat one another as such and share our lives together and care for one another and be involved with one another's lives. And then this week, we're going to talk about this idea of being servant leaders. That is, if we are following Jesus, we are to lay down our lives for others and serve. So today really is what we call Serve Sunday. And just like last week, we gave you an opportunity to get connected to community groups. This week at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to connect to ministry teams. So be looking for that application as we go through here today. But before we do that, can we just pause and ask for God's help together this morning? Lord, we do need you. And Father, we ask that by your Spirit, you would come, you would remove the distractions from our heart, and you, by your powerful word, would speak. Speak, O oh Lord, for your servant is listening. I pray, Lord, that you would allow your word to fall on our hearts freshly, and you would awaken us, awaken us to the joy and the privilege it is to serve you. O oh Father, help us now. Come, come mightily by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title of the sermon is simply this, Chasing Greatness. And we're gonna be looking at two examples who in the Lord's eyes were truly great. But in order to set up this idea, I'd like to draw your attention to the screen here for a moment and watch a short video here. Not to be great. You, the imagination of a brilliant child and the powers of an ancient god, who are you to be ordinary? You, who can rescind life or raise the dead. Who are you to be afraid? You, who can serve as judge and jury while hoarding infinite lives. Who are you to be a slave to the past? You who can travel time like the oceans and rewrite history with a single word. Who are you to be anonymous? You whose name should be spoken in reverent tones or in terrified whispers. And who are you to deny greatness? If you would deny to yourself, you deny to the entire world. And we will not be denied. 
Now, whether or not greatness can be found in PlayStation is debatable. But this wildly successful ad campaign is a brilliant advertising move. You say, why? Because all of us long to be great. We long for greatness. It's, it's built into our DNA in some way. We seek it in our careers. We seek it in our relationships, in our experiences, in our possessions. We want to be great friends and great spouses and great parents and great employees and great employers. We want to take great vacations and eat at great restaurants and tell great stories and drive a great car and have a great life. And I would actually argue that there is absolutely nothing wrong with that because human beings are hardwired for greatness. Greatness does await in one sense. The problem is not that we long for greatness, but rather that we seek greatness in the wrong place. And this is once again where the Bible is so refreshing. For the scripture tells us repeatedly that greatness is not found in fortune or in fame, but in perhaps the most unexpected of places. Where is that? Well, look at Luke 22. It says this, but he said to them, this is Jesus, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have called themselves benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is, what's it say? greatest among you should become like the youngest and whoever leads like the one, what's it say? Serving. And again, Matthew chapter 23, verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teachers and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah, the, what's it say? The greatest among you will be your, and again, Mark chapter 10, whoever wants to become among you will be your, and whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of all. You see it? It's not one passage. It's over and over and over again. Greatness in the Bible is linked to serving. To summarize, in God's eyes, greatness is found through serving. And as we see in chapter 2 earlier, no one epitomized this concept more than Jesus Christ himself. For although Jesus was the Son of God, God eternal, the second person of the Trinity, the sustainer and creator of the universe, though he had it all, he came to earth as a servant. Verse 5 of Philippians 2, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, what did he do? He emptied himself by assuming the form of, uh, what's it say? Taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of on a cross. And what was the result of this, this God coming to earth and becoming a servant? Verse number nine. 
For this reason, God has highly exalted him. In other words, God said, he's great. He became a servant. He is great. To put it plainly, Jesus is the ultimate servant leader. Nobody epitomizes this idea more than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The way up is down. Today, marketing strategists and leadership gurus have latched onto this idea of servant leadership as a means to gaining greater influence in the business world. And I think in large part, I would say this is a good thing. But for the believer, servant leadership is way more than that. It is not simply a technique to influence people. It is a way to pursue Christ-likeness. We need to be servant leaders, not just because we want to do better at work. We need to be servant leaders because we want to be like Jesus. We want to lay down our lives like the Savior did. In other words, if we want to be like the Savior and if we want to be great in God's eyes, then we must be about serving. Which leads to the point this morning, it's simply this, we must pursue greatness through serving. Greatness does await, friends. But it's not by getting the top score on a video game. Greatness awaits by laying down our lives and being like the Savior. Greatness comes through serving. So you might hear that and say, well, I hear you, Ryan, and I certainly want to be like Jesus. But I'm not him. I'm glad you're clear on that, by the way. What does it look for a regular person like me to be great in God's eyes? Is that even possible? Thankfully, the answer is yes. For in our passage this morning, Paul draws attention to two regular people, Timothy and Epaphroditus, not the most regular of names, but they're regular people, who epitomized true greatness through servant leadership. And what I want to do in the next few minutes today is look at three characteristics of servant leadership that are embodied in Timothy and Epaphroditus, and I think we would do well to follow. Okay, you with me on this? So how do we really be great? How do we be servant leaders? We follow these principles laid out here, and the first one is simply this. The characteristic of servant leadership is that it is personal. You say, what do you mean by that idea of personal? Well, both Timothy and Epaphroditus had a deep concern for people. Look at verse 19. Now, this is Paul talking. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded, notice this next phrase, who will genuinely care about your interests. So Paul is saying, hey, I can't get there right now, but I'm going to send Timothy to you. And it's basically like I'm going. Because when Timothy gets there, I know one thing about Timothy. He will care for you deeply. Then skip down in verse 25. We see the same thing about Epaphroditus. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Why? Why did he want to send this particular guy? Since he has been longing for all of you, And was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Well, how does Epaphroditus feel towards these Philippians? He loves them. He cares about them. He's willing to serve them. In other words, it's personal. 
It's personal to them. Look, ministry is more about caring for people than accomplishing tasks. Let me say that again. Ministry is far more about caring for people than it is accomplishing tasks. Maybe this seems self-evident. But I bring this up because there can be a tendency for us to think of serving others as simply as one of our spiritual duties that need to be checked off our list. Like, I read my Bible, I pray, I serve at church, check, 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 check. That's just something you do. I'm scheduled for setup this week. I guess someone has to do it. It's my turn to take a shift in kids' ministry. Well, somebody's got to do it. I have to go early this week. I was hoping to sleep in. Well, I guess if I want to be a good church member, I should find some way to be involved. Now, it's not that these sentiments in and of themselves are wrong. we, We understand that sometimes we do things that we don't like naturally want to do. I get that. But at the end of the day, what's happening here? We're missing that when we serve, it's ultimately about people. Let me say that. Serving is about what? Serving is about Now, serving can be demanding, but we mustn't lose sight of the fact that God does not call us to serve just to keep us busy. God's not trying to just put another thing on our list. God is calling us to serve because through your your service, he blesses people. Let me give you an example of that. Okay. Okay. let, let, let's see, uh, Daniel, Tasia, come on. It's about to get awkward, come on. Okay, so Daniel and Tasia Grissom are two of our newest members, right? Okay, so welcome Daniel and Tasia, yay, okay. Come on over here. So I'm gonna stand them right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Here, here's the Grissoms right here. Now, We're really grateful for the Grissoms and uh, grateful that the Lord brought them here. But let's think about what allowed the Grissoms to become members of Gospel Hope Church. Okay, let's just think about that for a minute. So uh, we met Daniel and then then maybe uh, Daniel, Rod and I met Daniel at a conference and uh, maybe then Daniel starts poking around online to check out Gospel Hope. Is that true? True. Okay, very good. So he went to our website, which didn't magically appear out of nowhere. Actually, Jalen did a ton of work on that website. So Jalen, come on up here. Come on. Okay, come on. Come on. So you're going to stand right over here, Jalen. Okay, right here. Right here. So here's Jalen. So Jalen did some work on that website, and Daniel and Tasia took a look at that website. And then maybe uh, Daniel and Tasia, they, they check out the website, and they actually say, you know what? I'm going to maybe uh, go check out a service. And that happened, right? So in they come, and when they, when they walked into the building, guess what? Like, there was all kinds of stuff, like, set up. Like, the worship team was set up up here, and this pipe and drape was set up, and tables and banners and all kinds of things. And that was because Anna got here early and, and helped set that up. So come on, Anna. Come on, Anna. Okay, go stand over here by Jana. Okay, and then, and then Daniel and Tasia uh, walked into the building, and they, they got into the foyer, and uh, man, they, they were warmly greeted because Denise was standing out there at the, at the welcome door. And she said, hey, come on in. So come on, come on, Denise, come on. Yeah. 
go, go stand here. Okay, thank you, Denise. And she was, anybody greeted by Denise recently? Denise is such a warm and friendly person. So in, he, in, in comes the Grissom, and Denise visits them, and they have a son, Isaiah. And so before they made their way into service, you know, maybe Denise saw that they had a family and said, oh, you have children with you. Why don't you go over to the kids? And, and there was Caroline. She was standing over there at the table um, checking people in. So come on, Caroline. Come on, Caroline. Yeah. And, and she's checking children in. And then they head on down to class. And Leonard was actually down there teaching that class. So Leonard, come on up here. Come on. You don't have to clap for everybody. I mean, it's fine if you want to. So Leonard is down there teaching the kids. And then when that happens, you know, they come in during the service and they're like, oh man, I, I, I really like the music. And it, and it was because Ben was up there playing the bass. Come on, Ben. Come on, Ben. And Kendall was up there singing. So come on, yeah. Oh. And then after, the, you know, they're, they're listening to the worship, and then, and, and during all that time, it, it sounds okay, like it's not breaking their eardrums or anything like that. It's because Erwin is back there doing all kinds of dials and things like that. So Erwin, come on up here. He's doing some sort of voodoo. And then Rod gets up and, and preaches a fantastic sermon. So Rod, come on up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Daniel and Tasia are like, you know what? I think I'm going to make this my church home. And they begin to get connected. Oh, the two-minute greeting, right, right. That's Okay, everybody, come on up. Right, 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 right. So here's the idea. Who usually gets the credit? Or who do we usually focus on? Rod. Not me, Rod, right? Yeah, I never get any credit, no respect, right? Yeah. And we're like, you know what? You know, we're here because we really enjoyed that sermon or whatever. Or maybe it's Jalen. We really enjoyed the music. But look, you know, I, I want you to just like symbolically, like take one another's hands here. Who's involved in ministering to Daniel and Tasia? Everybody. Because ministry, no matter what part of it, it's ultimately about what? People. People. It's personal. So when Jalen's sitting at home working on the website, it's not just get a task done. It's about Daniel and Tasia. Do you see what I'm saying here? When, 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 when Anna's putting up pipe and drape, it's not about just like getting pipe and drape up. It's about people. It's all about people. Caroline standing there checking kids in and printing off little cute stickers and labels for people. It's not about the sticker. It's about the people. So we need to understand, brothers and sisters, I mean, I know, I know Rod just did this. You stole my thunder. He always does that. But in a sense, that's how we should be thinking, right? I mean, he gets to seal the deal, but who's involved? It's all of us are involved in the process. Ministry is about people. It is about people. And no matter what your link in the chain is, you are part of that process. Now we can clap and say amen. Okay, go ahead, guys. Thank you so much.
Look, all those people up there may not have even known the Grissom's names. But their acts of service helped people for whom Christ died get connected and be encouraged in their walk with the Lord. Here's the simple idea. God uses our very ordinary acts of service to accomplish his extraordinary work in people's lives. You don't have to do something amazing. You just have to be faithful and say, I want to serve people in some way. I want to be a blessing to people in some way. Number two, not only is real servant leadership personal, it's also sacrificial. Uh, that's what the next thing that's kind of glaring that we notice about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Look, look at what happens in verse number 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Now notice this, what he's, how he describes Timothy. All seek their own interest, not those of Christ, but you know his proven character. In essence, Paul is saying many people are concerned about themselves. They got their own interest at heart, but not Timothy. He's willing to set aside what is comfortable or what is convenient for the good of others. And then Paul takes it even a step further with Epaphroditus, verse number 25. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was sick. Look at verse 27. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. Talk about sacrifice. In the ancient world, when a person was in prison, they were dependent on family and friends to supply their needs. In light of this, I, I think this is probably what happened. When the Philippians heard that Paul was heading to Rome to be imprisoned, they desired to send financial help. But this was no small task, for Philippi was about 700 miles away from Rome. So who stepped up to take this long and arduous and potentially dangerous journey? Enter Epaphroditus. And in so doing, he became ill and almost died. The idea is simply this. Now, this, this may seem like super simplistic, but I think we need to hear it. True service costs. True service costs. Maybe this is something that's so obvious that it doesn't need to be said. But in our age of slacktivism, you know what slacktivism is, right? It's pointing out issues without really being willing to do anything about them. You do it so it, you feel better about yourself, not actually so you make an impact on it. We need to be reminded that real servant leadership requires actual sacrifice, not sending out a Facebook poster or, or torching someone on Twitter. That's not, really, that's not really laying down your life for someone else. While the Lord may never call you to literally risk your life like he did Epaphroditus, he does call all who follow him to live a life of sacrifice. Look, look at what it says in John chapter 15. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Okay, how do we do that? Verse 15. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Or 1 John, verse 3. This is how we know that we have come to know him. He laid down his life for us 
we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Part of following Jesus means we sacrifice. That's what it means. We are never more like the Savior than when we lay down our lives for others. Now, this is certainly a tall order. Lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. I mean, those are high stakes. But here's the good news for all of us. There are things worth sacrificing for. There are things that are worth sacrificing for. You know, right now, the movie 1917 is like sweeping the nation. Without spoiling anything, it's a movie about World War I. And I think the reason for this film's popularity is in large part due to the fact that it reminds us that there are things that are worth sacrificing for. There are things worth even dying for. Great causes deserve great sacrifice. Great causes deserve great sacrifice. And here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the greatest cause in the world. Why did the African theologian Athanasius face five, five exiles for defending the de deity of Christ? You know why? Because it was a great cause. Why did William Tyndale suffer being burned at the stake to get the Bible translated into English? Because it was a great cause. Why did Amy Carmichael leave all that she knew behind to spend her life sharing Christ and rescuing young girls from sex trafficking in India? Because it was a great cause. And brothers and sisters, this is our cause. We are involved in the greatest cause in the world. Yes, serving costs. Yes, serving is sometimes hard, but serving is always worth it. And I think we need to hear that today because I think American Christians, by and large, are not very tough. Look, Gospel Hope. I know there's a tension between resting and taking care of yourself and serving others. I get it. And can we sometimes be out of balance on that? Absolutely. But if we're leaning one way in America, I don't think it's usually on serving too much. I think it's usually on being a little selfish and laying down our lives for ourselves. I just want to say very simply, Serving costs. It costs. And if you want to be truly great in God's eyes, it will cost you something. It costs Timothy something. It costs Epaphroditus something. And you better believe it costs the Lord Jesus Christ something to serve. And yet he is the greatest of all. So gospel hope, let's take up the mantle. Let's embrace the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. And that means that at times we are willing to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Number three, serving is not just personal, it's not just sacrificial, but it is transformational. Though serving certainly blesses the church, it also has another significant and perhaps unexpected impact. Say, so what do you mean by that? Look at verse 22. But you know, this is Paul again speaking, his proven character. This is Timothy. Because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. 
Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Now, notice how Paul describes Timothy there. He says, he, he served with me like what? Like a son with a father. During this time period, most sons were apprenticed by and took on the trade of their father. Jesus was the son of a carpenter, and so Jesus grew up to be a carpenter. I think this is what Paul has in mind. He, he's essentially saying, you've seen Timothy apprentice with me, and now he's fully trained. Don't worry. When he comes, it's as if I'm there myself because he has gone from being the apprentice, and now he's ready to go out on his own. I'm sending him there. There's nobody else like him. He's ready to go. So here's the question. Put your thinking caps on here for a moment. Who benefited from Timothy's service? Two groups. One, the Philippians, to be sure, right? Paul sent Timothy to minister to the Philippians. But do you know who else benefited from Timothy's service? Timothy. Timothy. Timothy got grown through serving. Timothy was developed as a leader by serving. The idea is this. When you serve, God works both through you and in you. When you serve, God works both through you and in you. And don't you know that to be true? Don't you know that? So you show up to teach kids. And you go down there expecting to minister to the little ones and what happens to you? You're like, man, I just love this lesson. I learned so much. You get taught more than you teach them. You show up early to set up pipe and drape. Some of you have like a third degree black belt in pipe and drape. It's awesome. And suddenly, as you're doing that, you start to feel a burden, not for the pipe and drape, but for the church as a whole. And you start praying for people that are coming to church in a little bit. And you start really loving on the people that you're serving alongside of. You, you give to the church because you should and the, every time you put money in the offering plate or click it on the app, all of a sudden you're starting to think, what more should I do? How can I get involved with this more? You go on a missions trip to encourage the locals, and you come back with a vision for global evangelism. This is why we say at Gospel Hope regularly, we don't use people to get ministry done. We use ministry to get people done. Look, we want you to serve. If you're part of the Gospel Hope family, we ask you to serve in some capacity. This is not primarily because Rod and I need you to get our stuff done. We kind of do, but that's not the main reason. The main reason we want you to serve is because as your pastors, we feel it is our responsibility to help you grow in the Lord. And one of the primary means that God uses to get you done is by serving. Because of this, we are utterly unapologetic about asking people to get involved in ministry teams. We don't ask you to get involved because we want something from you. We ask you to get involved because we want something for you. We know that when you serve, God intends to meet you. Yes, we realize, we realize that it is a sacrifice to come early to stay late, to rehearse your music, to communicate with your team, to deal with one of my 174 children down in Gospel Hope Kids. And we don't take that for granted. We don't. 
But we want you serving because there are certain things that God wants to teach you only by you rolling up your sleeves and getting involved. Think about, think about getting your driver's license, for instance. Aren't you glad that you have to do some on-the-road training before you can get your driver's license? Aren't you thankful for that, all God's people said? Because if, if getting your driver's license was as simple as just taking a test or setting through a classroom, what would the result be? We're all dead, all of us. Because there are certain things you can only learn by what? Doing. And if that's true of something as simple as driving, is it not true in your walk with the Lord as well? There are certain things that God intends to teach you. There are certain things that God has for you. But you can't learn them by just reading the Bible. You can't learn them by just sitting in a worship service. By all means, read the Bible. By all means, come and gather with God's people. But there are certain things that you can only learn by rolling up your sleeves and getting in the game. We ask you to serve because we want God's best for you and God intends to teach you some things through serving. Church, when you bless others through your service, the Lord blesses you. When you bless others, the Lord blesses you. I'd like to show you just a, don't take my word for it, we just briefly interviewed some folks here at our church that would share a similar testimony. So if you could just turn your attention to the screen right now, I'd like you to hear a couple short stories of people who have been blessed through serving. God did something not just in, through them, but in them. serve in Connect. I love it because I feel like I get to be the first connection when people come and visit the church. I just love seeing those kids um, on a regular basis and seeing them grow up and um, getting to pray for them. They remind me of the joy of Christ and they bring so many questions which reminds me that God is somebody we can go to with our questions. I love it. Serving with the setup team has really helped me grow closer with my family, and it has allowed me to see what it takes to have a church plant work as well. Uh, it always brings out the best in you, and it allows you to form bonds with others who are serving with you doing the same thing. I serve on the worship team. It's been a really cool like outlet for me. Worship is like my heart. The prayer team since I've joined has caused me to be more intentional with my prayers and more consistent with my prayers. It's deepened my relationship with Christ as well as with um, my brothers and sisters here at Gospel Home. So you might hear all this and think, man, I I'd like the Lord to get me done. I'd like to serve, but Ryan, I'm just so busy. Uh, I've never done anything like that before. Or I'm just not sure really what I bring to the table. I want to, but I don't know where to begin. 
Well, wherever you're right at right now, here's the good news. 2,000 years ago, the ultimate servant later, Jesus came to earth. And even though he was God himself, he became a man and laid down his life on the cross to serve. Serve people like you and I. He sacrificed himself. And here's the thing. If you trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf, his spiritual DNA is in you. And because of this, it means that you, like him, have the ability to lay down your life for others. 1 John chapter 4 says it this way. We love because he first loved us. Part of what Jesus did on the cross is he gave you a heart transplant. He took out that hard heart of stone that was all about you and he put in it in its place a heart that was about others he gave you his heart or if i could paraphrase we serve because he first served us we've been given the ability to lay down our lives look the principle is very simply this no matter where you're at we can serve because we've been served we could serve out of the overflow of being served by the greatest servant of all time. Jesus has blessed us extravagantly. He has loved us unconditionally in such a powerful way that it transforms us. Jesus didn't just do something for us, he did something to us. Look, I realize that being a servant is not always easy. But if you're a child of God, it's not something, it's not just something you do. It's who you are. It's part of your blood-bought identity. Jesus died to make us like him, to make us servants. In one sense, it is not going too far to say, Jesus died so that you could pursue true greatness. He laid down his life so that you could live for something greater than yourself. So that you could lift up your eyes off of your limited horizon and start sacrificing yourself for the greatest cause in the world, his name, his people, his kingdom. And I went to Bible college and uh, at the graduation, they, they did an amazing thing. I, I just really loved that they did this. It, it was standard, you know, they'd announce your name. Um, you'd walk up and hug the people you don't know, right? And shake their hand. And they'd hand you the diploma. And then you turn around and just before you walked off the stage, they handed you something else. You know what it was? They gave you a towel. And on the towel were three words. It said, be great, serve. I mean, that always stuck with me. Like, okay, what a powerful reminder that we're never more like Jesus than when we take up the towel, right? We just take the towel and we try to wash people's feet. That's greatness. And that invitation is for us today as well. I believe what the Lord is saying through, uh, to us through Timothy, through Epaphroditus, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, gospel hope, be great. Serve. Lay down your life for the good of others. Roll up your sleeves. Get in the game. Don't be a spectator. Sacrifice yourself. Be transformed through serving, through laying down your life for the brothers and sisters, begin to take up the towel. Oh man, would our reputation as a church be that this is a great church? Not because we have fantastic preaching when Rod preaches, 
not because we have amazing music or a welcoming culture or this wonderful diversity. Those are all great things. But I pray that our reputation is that we would be great because people see, look, here's a bunch of people who lay down their lives for Jesus. They serve. And God looks down at that and said, you know what, that's greatness because they are following in the footsteps of my son. What we want to provide this morning is a very practical opportunity for you to do just that, to pursue greatness. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then after that, representatives from our various ministry teams are going to come down here. They're, they're going to line up all the way across the front of this. They're going to have a clipboard in their hand, and it will say the name of the ministry team. There'll also be a slide up here on the screen telling you the service opportunities that they are. You can kind of play guess who, match the faces with the people. And they'll have that clipboard in your hand. And what we want to invite you to do is, is get involved in some way. There's, there's three ways really you can get involved, okay? First way is this, become a servant. If you're not currently plugged into a ministry team, we want to invite you to do just that. Each of the leaders will have a sign-up sheet Signing that or, or putting your name on that is not you necessarily committing, but it's you saying, you know what, I, I, want to, I want to serve in some capacity and I'd like to learn more about this opportunity. So it's not you sign on the dotted line, there's no check, there's no money exchange changed, okay? You're just coming up and saying, I'm interested and I would like to learn more. So sign up there. So that's the first way, become a servant. Second thing, grow as a servant. Man, some of you are already serving and praise God for that. But maybe as we've been talking this morning, God is pricking your heart and you're saying, you know what? I probably can do more and I want to be transformed through my serving. And I'd encourage you to go and just sign up on those sheets and maybe put a star by your name. I'm already serving, but I'm interested in, in taking an expanded role. Is there some way I can help in a greater way? Is there some way I can lead a team? Is there some way I can grow? Maybe I'm a helper right now. I want to be a teacher. But you're going to one of these ministry teams and saying, I'd like to grow in my servanthood. Just star your name when you put it there. And the third way is simply this. Follow the servant. This is the most important of all. Perhaps you hear all this and it sounds interesting to you. But you have some questions about what it means to really follow Jesus with your life. Matt, would you come have a conversation with Pastor Rod or myself and say, man, this servant leadership sounds awesome. I don't even know where to start. We just come engage us. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus with your life and to lay down your life in the pursuit of true greatness. So three things, become a servant, grow as a servant, and follow the servant. Amen? Let's pray together and our ministry team leaders will come as I do that. Lord, we just thank you first of all, for the servant leader, Jesus, that he willingly laid down his life on behalf of us and that anyone that ever would trust in him can die to themselves and take up the mantle of servanthood. Lord, I pray for our church that we would be truly great in your eyes. Not that we would be known just for preaching or music, but we would be great because we serve. We lay down our lives for the good of your kingdom and for the good of others. Lord, mobilize us. Mobilize us to be true servants. Make us great in your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Everybody stand to your feet here. We're going to turn some music on, and I would love for you to just move right away. Ready? One, two, three, go.